Good morning. We are back to our study of faith according to the scriptures. Once a month, usually on the first Sunday, the sermons are theme connected. And this year the theme is faith according to the scriptures. To introduce this installment of the series, I want to take us to two statements in the book of Hebrews. In chapter 11, the third verse and in chapter 3, the fourth verse. Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And to that, I should like to add a statement in Hebrews, the third chapter and verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Faith is established starting with your faith in the existence of God. And we're going to explore that today. Here's a very good question. Why do you believe in God? Now, one response might be, well, I just believe in God. Well, that's not an answer. That's an affirmation. It doesn't go to your reason for believing in God. Why do you believe in God? Another response might be, well, I guess because my parents taught me to believe in God. Well, there's that word we talked about in a previous sermon, guess. Did your parents just tell you to believe in God? Or did they teach you the evidence upon which that faith is based? The question is, why do you believe in God? And I'm going to start the sermon very quickly by giving three reasons why we need to be clear about why we believe in God. Number one, the firmness and clarity of your faith in God is directly related to your survival as a Christian. You may have very strong emotions about God and spiritual things, but you go out into the world and in the future there may come a time when you're in some sort of struggle. And that struggle amounts to the fact that you can express your emotional attachment to God but there are people who are attacking you in regard to the evidence of God's existence. For example, young people who are raised around Christians and they have faithful attendance in their record and good homes, strong emotional attachment to the things of God, but they go out to a public university where secular atheists pound them about the evidence for their faith with God and all they have to offer is their emotional attachment to God. We need to know the basis of belief in God. I mean personal knowledge. I believe in God because. And then we give evidence. That's essential to remaining faithful to God. Faith, well-grounded, consistently nourished, kept 
and defended in times of doubt and struggle, that will see us through the storms of life. Firmness and clarity of your faith is absolutely essential. Number two, we are charged by God to defend the faith. When God is denied, when Christ is rejected and ridiculed, when the words of the Holy Spirit in the Bible are scorned, can we just be silent? Or will we stand up? 1 Peter 3.15 In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. When God is denied, His people speak up with gentleness and respect, but we make a defense. We give the reasons for the hope that is within us. We point to the evidence that convinced us that there is a God <clears throat> and He is worthy of our obedience. Number three, the devil can use doubt as a door to get into your head and gradually ruin your life. The devil can use doubt as a door to get into your head, get into your mind, and ruin your life very slowly. Solid well-informed faith in God is like a sign on the door of your heart to the devil that says, stay out, God is here. If you are not well equipped with the reasons for your faith, the evidence upholding your faith, if you are short on presenting that evidence, the devil's liable to see that as doubt and try to get in your head. And once he's in, you're in trouble. Why do you believe in God? Do you see how important that question is to me and to you individually? So I want to take us on a journey this morning. Some of you may remember, I've taken you on this journey before. And this journey is all about design. Design. I am aware there are multiple arguments in many areas of evidence for God's existence. There are scientists who are believers in God, able to answer the evolutionary assumptions one by one, in detail, with responses that just crush the atheistic evolutionary arguments. There are philosophers and thinkers who pile up and articulate all kinds of logic and evidence that call attention to the moral argument that there is a God. But I tell you, for most of us, for most of us, the most powerful and easily stated argument is design. So what we're going to do this morning is concentrate on the argument for God's existence from design. I consider this to be evidence for the common man. I am one. God didn't just make himself known to scientists. Nor do we have to depend upon them for the knowledge of God's existence. 
God's invisible presence and attributes, according to Romans 1, can be clearly seen by everyone in such dynamic force that Paul said in Romans 1, there is no excuse. So this is why I cannot accept any philosophy or theory that is against all the natural visible evidence of God's existence. I have considered design. Now here's the journey I want to take you on. Some of you have been through this journey with me before and you may see it again. But it's my favorite aspect of design and evidence of God's existence. This is a picture of the camera my father used until his death in 1961. It is a Reflecta II made in Germany in 1949. When my father acquired his, it was considered state-of-the-art. It had focus adjustments that you had to learn. It had variations in shutter speed. There was a film transport mechanism unique to this model copied by many others later. This was top of the line. Now, do I need to prove to you that this was designed and manufactured by intelligent engineers and craftsmen? Years after this, when my wife and I became parents, we saved up our money and we purchased something far advanced from the old reflector. How many of you remember the Polaroid land camera? In fact, you know what it was called? It was called the instant Polaroid land camera. Seconds after you press that shutter, the picture came out of the front unit and there was Herbie. Some of you may remember you could blow on that picture to sort of dry up the chemicals, but the selling point was no more taking film to get pictures developed and waiting for a week. This was the instant Polaroid land camera. Do I need to prove to you that this was designed and manufactured by an intelligent set of engineers and craftsmen? No, when you see design, you know designer. Years after this, when I went to the Philippine Islands to preach in 1981, I took a 35 millimeter camera, shot hundreds of pictures and they were developed into slides. A few years ago, we purchased a digital camera that involves no film at all. The images are saved to a card or through a USB cable transferred into a computer. But we seldom use that now. It's stored back in a closet somewhere. We seldom use that now because we all have cameras on our cell phones. We take pictures, we send them around the world in seconds, even video. So here are all of these cameras from 1949 until today. Do I need to offer comprehensive scientific evidence to get you to believe this morning that these devices were designed and manufactured by intelligent inventors and engineers? Take the oldest one. 
with the least sophistication. What if I told you my father found this camera in the backyard and he picked it up and he came in the house and told us, look at what happened over time. Nobody made it. Nobody conceived the idea. Nobody put it together. It just came to pass. It just happened. Maybe there was a little bang. And it just occurred and here it is. I was not inclined to question anything my father said, but if he had told me that even as a boy, it would not have been credible. There's something very simple I'm getting at that requires no academic research. And I know you've thought about it before. I'm going to bring it up again. When we observe design, it is natural, logical. It is a function of sound reasoning to know there is and was a designer. Every device that you see that I have referred to was designed and assembled by intelligent men and women. They conceived the idea using the mind that God gave them. They went to work and collaborated with others and from that process of thought and intelligent engineering the results were cameras. Nobody argues they gradually evolved with no application of external power. There is no theory of the evolution of cameras that excludes intelligent designers. The power and nature and intelligence of camera inventors and engineers is clearly seen so that we are without excuse. Cameras were made. Let's elevate the discussion. Let's elevate the discussion. What about this camera? Here's the heart of what I'm going to say to us. I believe we carry in our heads two of the most powerful arguments against what is commonly called the theory of evolution and atheism in general. If one of my friends ask, ask me, how do you know there is a God, a creator? If your friends press you with complicated, sophisticated sounding scientific arguments, if you are assaulted by uh, intellectual arrogance because of your belief in God, it is perfectly acceptable for you to call attention to these two evidences that you carry in your head. Charles Darwin in The Origin of Species admitted of all the evidence that he brought into his laboratory and into his writing and research, <coughs> he said there were two pieces of evidence that troubled him most when he crafted his theory of evolution. I'm quoting Darwin. To suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest sense. In this specific context, it can be said that seeing is believing. Remember, 
Hebrews 3 and verse 4, Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Please open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 20 and find verse 12. Proverbs chapter 20, I want you to find verse 12. And as soon as you see this verse, did you hear that? As soon as you see this verse, you're going to get the whole point of this sermon about faith and what faith is based on. It says, if my eyes serve me well, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. That's what we believe. That's what we believe. So when you're out there having conversations with people and someone says, well, tell me, why do you believe in God? Are you going to say, well, I, I just believe in God? Or are you going to say, well, I was raised in a home where they talked about God all the time, and so I'm just carrying on that legacy. I just believe in God. Or will you give them the foundational design argument upon which your faith rests? The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. That's what we believe. Those camera designers, all those cameras I had on the slide, those camera designers used this model. The model that you have in your head. Faith, according to the Scriptures, is accessible to anyone with a good heart and desire to know the truth. Faith isn't guesswork. It isn't transmitted through blood from your believing parents. Faith isn't believing that has no proof. Faith, in the biblical sense, is based upon evidence God has provided. Everywhere you look... There is evidence of the Creator. It is then informed by Scripture, and the whole point is to respond, to hear and believe in Christ, and make Him the King of your life. This would be an excellent time to make that choice as we stand together to sing. <laughs>